Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571. My name is Danny and if you're listening in for the first time, welcome. The 5571 goes over everything that's new and everything that's happening at the Disneyland Resort as well as Universal Studios and Knott's Berry Farm and of course sometimes bringing in a little bit of Walt Disney World Resort as well too. But for now, we're going to head right into the Disneyland Resort for some news and updates, starting first over at Disney California Adventure Park with the debut of Rogers the Musical. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before and on past episodes, you've definitely heard us talk about the different ways that you can view and experience Rogers the Musical over at Disney California Adventure Park. But for those that maybe need a little bit of a refresher, there's actually three ways to experience or watch the show. Um, one is going to be just regular standby which is available at every single showtime throughout the day. The second is going to be through a virtual queue opportunity. That's going to be a morning and an afternoon virtual queue opportunity to get one of the four different showtimes throughout the day on days that the show is being offered. And then the last is going to be the premium viewing experience, which comes in at $29 per person, does include a collectible lanyard, a, a popcorn bucket filled with red, white, and blue kettle corn, a Coke product of your choice, um, and of course, early access to the theater for that premium viewing experience in the orchestra or mezzanine levels. Um, but so I actually had an opportunity to experience the show over the weekend, the holiday weekend, on the second day of its debut. Uh, I wasn't actually going to try for the premium viewing experience. I, I didn't really feel like I needed to try that. And I felt like a lot of people probably wouldn't be getting to do that. So I wanted to first kind of go into a little bit more on what virtual queue may be like or what standby might be like. Now, just to get the premium viewing experience out of the way first, as far as the experience I saw, um, even though I didn't experience it myself, I had a lot of friends that had experienced it over the weekend. And also I saw kind of what, what it looked like myself in person. Now, don't forget that hotel guests staying at the hotels of the Design Resort actually have early access to the theme parks about 30 minutes prior to park opening, and they were allowing those guests to queue up and purchase those premium viewing experiences for Rogers and the Musical. Now, this was probably only sort of a problem um, on the first opening weekend, right? Everyone wanted to see it. A lot of people maybe were planning to do that with the early access via hotel entrance, um, and it could still very well be this way throughout the entirety of the musical short run here. It is only going to be um, on tour at Disney California Adventure or on display at the Hyperion Theater until the end of August. So we're just looking at a two-month run for this theater show over in the Hyperion. But um, every single morning over the weekend, the premium viewing experience basically was completely committed by mostly hotel guests and a few other lucky guests that were actually there to completely rope drop the theme park prior to opening. Now, this is all a little bit of conjecture or a little bit of hearsay that I had heard over the weekend, but supposedly there's only about 100 different premium viewing experience uh, tickets being sold for each of the four showtimes, which would put about only 400 opportunities to purchase premium viewing um, for all of the shows throughout the day. Uh, and if you configure, you know, three different hotels being allowed to access the parks early, you can see just why most of the hotel guests were able to book this out. 
out. Now, even then, once the hype dies down a little bit as the show's been out for a couple weeks, uh, we still might see this sell out early in the morning for guests that want to prioritize this um, for those early rope droppers. So coming mid-afternoon and expecting the premium viewing experience to still be available might not be uh, something you can expect at least in the first month or maybe first few weeks of the show running. Um, but I wanted to get that out of the way um, because uh, a lot of people were asking how hard it was to be able to do that. Um, we knew in advance while talking about it on this show um, that it wasn't going to be something that you could pre-purchase like um, using the app or anything like that. And we knew it had to be in person and we kind of were unclear on just how that would work. Now, when I was coming into the park, you could see the line for the premium viewing experience stretching all the way down Hollywood Boulevard in the middle of Hollywood land. So there was definitely probably way more people online than there was actually availability for premium viewing, um, but they were queued up regardless. So um, just keep that in mind. Keep those expectations set for the premium viewing experience. It is pretty affordable when it comes to like premium options for viewing different shows. So it seems like that could be another reason as to why it's selling out, but it is only just a 30 minute musical. So, um, I would say just go into it with the right expectations and just know that you can still find some really great options to watch the show, even if you aren't doing premium viewing experience. But now that we got that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk more about the virtual queue experience and standby. Now, I was able to jump into the first virtual queue, which drops at 1030 in the morning. The second virtual queue is going to be after 2 p.m. Um, so the first virtual queue is going to give you either one of two shows. It's going to be the 1230 show or the 2 p.m. show of Rogers the Musical. Now, I entered the 1030 virtual queue right as the time dropped. Took the app a little bit of time for it to refresh, and after it refreshed, I joined the queue with the button and was immediately signed, assigned the second showing. Now, I was really hoping for the first showing, um, but I was um, a little bit secured in knowing that I had a virtual queue at least locked in for the 2 p.m. showing, but I was going to still try my luck for standby. Now, I had heard from guests that had gone there on opening day that standby was actually pretty easy at almost every single show uh, throughout the day on opening day itself. So I was pretty hopeful that um, it was going to be option for me to be able to do that. Uh, so I just went over to Disney California Adventure Park um, right before the showtime to see what standby was all about. I actually ended up walking over to the Hyperion Theater in Disney California Adventure Park just about 30 minutes prior to showtime, maybe a little bit less than that, um, and was immediately sent to the standby queue uh, through the main entrance. Uh, you're kind of walked in through the main entrance and then immediately diverted to the left-hand side, and we kind of waited in this little small corral area um, just before you walk in each of the main sections, whether it's orchestra, mezzanine, or balcony. And it seems like for uh, the premium viewing experience and for the virtual queue returns, they were all sent to either the orchestra sections or the mezzanine sections, which is the middle balcony just above orchestra. Um, 
Now, as far as standby, for the most part, they were being exclusively put in the balcony section, which is the highest section, but in all honesty, was a pretty good view, especially if you can get to towards the front of, of the different sections that you're in. But even besides that point, the nice thing about the balcony section is that it is stadium seating, whereas the other two levels are not stadium. They're more of kind of like a gradual stadium seating. Uh, so if you have someone tall in front of you or maybe someone that's still wearing their ears from inside the park that haven't taken them off yet, um, it could really block your view um, and kind of obscure things throughout your showtime if you have that kind of experience sitting right in front of you. Uh, but the nice part about the balcony view is that being that it's such a steep uh, kind of uh, stadium seating configuration, every row can really have a clear view of the stage. And it just was, in my opinion, a pretty good view overall. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't count it out. So essentially I came there a little bit less than 30 minutes prior and about 10 minutes before the show, 15 minutes ish before the show, they let us into the theater, um, onto the balcony section from the standby queue. I maybe had a, a little small group in front of me as far as like, I'd say maybe 30, 30, 40 people ish in front of me. Um, and we all headed up to the balcony section, and the balcony section was pretty wide open uh, during our showtime, which was the first showing of the day on a Saturday for a holiday weekend. So not too bad at all. Um, in fact, Mondo from Firefighters YouTube, he actually joined me in the same section for standby, and he showed up literally just five minutes before we were let in. So, And he was able to get in through standby as well, too. So... A lot of guests were under the impression that if you couldn't get in with virtual queue, you just couldn't watch the show. And so I really wanted to just kind of hit that point through um, on this podcast and kind of just let everyone know that if you don't get the premium viewing experience and you don't get virtual queue, not to worry because standby was actually pretty easy to get and not too bad in all honesty. So um, definitely, uh, and you've got four shows to choose from. So definitely don't count it out if you don't get any of those virtual cues, or maybe you just don't want to deal with that virtual cue mess and you want to just go into standby on a show that works for you. You know, the, the hard part with the virtual queue is that you don't really know what show you're going to get. So at least with standby, you can pick the show you want to get there in front of. And in all honesty, I didn't waste much time at all. So it wasn't like a huge commitment. You're not having to stand in line like an hour and a half before or anything like that. So I think um, if you go in to just like, hey, I just want to be in there. I want to see the show. I want to have a really good view overall. I feel like the balcony section is really good for that, and uh, it worked really great for me. Um, and I, I recommend that experience, uh, especially since there was like such minimal weight for it. So um, that's my takeaway as far as accessing the show. But now let's move into kind of what I thought of the show. Now it's been a while since I've watched Hawkeye on Disney Plus, which this musical is based from. I think it's episode one. Uh, so. If you haven't seen that, you necessarily don't have to have seen that, in all honesty, to get the plot of what you're watching, because it's kind of like the storyline of Captain America throughout his entire history, and like the a little bit of the Avengers in there, um, but it's done in a really campy, comedic way, sort of like making fun of some of the Avengers, so 
you might look at it off the top, you know, off, you're just seeing it, right, you know, from not having seen anything or knowing anything about its ties to the Hawkeye show on Disney Plus, and it might seem a little odd. So it is a little bit of a niche show in that sense, in that it was a musical that existed only in a series on Disney Plus that had such a fandom behind it that they're like, hey, what if this was real? And a lot of people were like on social media saying, hey, we want this to be real. This is cool. And then all of a sudden, Disney's like, hey, guess what? It is real. And uh, we brought it to Disney California Adventure Park. And we're making a bunch of cool new original songs that weren't on the show in this musical. So it is a 30-minute production. It was really well done for kind of what you're experiencing. It does use that same really high-quality um, backdrop screen that the Frozen at the Hyperion Theater show used. So um, the the physical sets blend really well with the screen in the back, and it just makes for a pretty good stage to be all on it. To be honest uh, about it all, so it, in my opinion, was a really it was funny. It was a good a good time, a great escape from the parks for a little bit, and the songs are super catchy. So you're gonna have them stuck in your head all day long throughout the park. It's probably going to keep coming up in your head throughout the day. So uh, definitely check it out if you have an opportunity to do so and you're visiting Disney California Adventure um, in July and August. I have a feeling they're kind of just teasing it, if I'm being honest and speculating, um, for the two-month run. Um, and then they might end up you know, uh, extending it a little bit. But um, it is... Um, running in a cadence where it's going to be running through Tuesday um, through Saturday. So Tuesday through Saturday are when there's going to be showtimes for the show in this two-month run. The show will be dark with no showtimes on Sundays and Mondays. Now, I heard the reasoning for this is that they only hired one cast and crew with maybe a few backups. Um, and there's not like multiple cast and crew that we can swap out like they had for Hyperion, Frozen, and Aladdin. Um, so, you know, if everyone's kind of hired for one crew, um, when they need a day off, it's all going to be at the same time, right? You got to have two days off. So uh, that's the reasoning I've heard as to why it has um, two days dark and they chose Sunday and Mondays probably like um, you know, the better days to do that. So keep that in mind when you're planning as well, too. That's not going to change throughout the time it's there. It's always going to be dark on those days. Um, but I have a feeling, you know, they might extend it, especially if it's really popular with guests. And maybe even if guests are seeing it as a repeat thing over and over again. But Rogers the Musical wasn't the only new thing that debuted over the holiday weekend at Disneyland Resort. They actually had brand new offerings come to Adventureland at Disneyland Park for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The new Indiana Jones movie that just debuted in theaters brought with it a bunch of new experiences like an all-new meet and greet with Indiana Jones himself roaming around Adventureland. Lots of new merchandise from the movie and from the classic movies over in Adventureland Bazaar, as well as brand new food and dessert offerings at Bengal Barbecue, which, as you may know, is my favorite restaurant inside Disneyland Park. Uh, so I definitely needed to make time to go experience this when I was visiting over the weekend. So I actually started off my day first at Disneyland um, and then headed to DCA afterward to do the Rogers the Musical. Um, so 
what I can tell you about the character meet and greet, because a lot of people were asking me, there wasn't really kind of anything set in stone for Indiana Jones. Now, the two days that he had come out over the weekend, um, he was debuting or coming out for the first time at around 8.30 in the morning and was sort of just kind of roaming around Adventureland. He could be anywhere from the upper levels of the Jungle Cruise um, queue, kind of looking down at the guests below and interacting with different things that he had on his person, like a treasure map of the temple, um, some other kind of objects in his and artifacts in his bag and satchel that he had with him. Uh, and then, you know, looking down at guests below, talking and interacting with them. In addition to that, he was meeting and greeting at the exit of Indiana Jones Adventure Attraction, um, right in front of the attraction. He was over by Bengal Barbecue, really just walking all over the place um, in the, the land, stopping for photos here and there, and sometimes would allow a little bit of a queue to form up and take some photos, but then he would abruptly stop and tell the guests to follow him to the next place that he was kind of going to really to kind of keep the flow of traffic moving. Adventureland, as you know, is probably not the biggest space in Disneyland and um, trying to have a queue just, you know, eternally formed to meet and greet with Indiana Jones just really wouldn't work well there. So I feel like what he was doing was probably the best mix of both things, allowing guests to sort of queue up a little bit and get those photos and videos um, and then continue on, you know, kind of just looking like he was meant to be there uh, for the movie. So it, it was a pretty convincing face character. Uh, a lot of guests really enjoyed it. Um, it's something that really brought uh, a sense of uh, really great placemaking for Indiana, for Adventureland, you know, seeing Indiana Jones kind of walk around and bring some life and some role-playing into the space, and it worked really well. Uh, oh, and one thing I did forget to mention as well, too, is if you remember that classic Indiana Jones pinball machine with the little rolling boulder in it, Disneyland used to have it a long time ago in the space that used to be the Adventureland gift shop. You know, the Adventureland gift shop, the Adventureland Bazaar is still there, uh, but it used to occupy all those buildings next to Bengal Barbecue with tons of different rooms of the shop. Well, over the time when Bengal Barbecue needed a lot more space for dining, as you remember, they took some of those rooms away from the gift shop. But one of those rooms used to house that pinball machine, that Indiana Jones pinball machine with the boulder in it. Um, well, during this time period, they actually brought back that pinball machine too. It's literally right there around the corner from Bengal Barbecue. It's essentially right next to where you're picking up all your utensils, forks, and napkins and stuff after you've just got your food. Uh, so it's like right there, back and returned amongst the tables when you're sitting and dining. So a really cool little throwback there in addition to that. But so we talked about the Indiana Jones meet and greet. Like I said, no rhyme or reason, really. He started at 8 o'clock or 8.30 and was kind of going around roaming and then would take a break and then come back a little bit later. I saw him just after 11 a.m. Uh, and he was also just roaming around Adventureland at that point, too. So I can't really tell you like a specific time other than when I know he started during the day. Um, and it's kind of just something you can ask the cast members in Adventureland, which is kind of what I was doing. And they were telling me like, oh, we saw him like an hour ago. So he should probably be back out soon. He was kind of walking around all over the place and they kind of pointed me in the right direction. 
In fact, the cast members actually got my attention when I was sitting there waiting, uh, letting me know that he had actually been spotted over by Bengal Barbecue. So I headed that direction and uh, walked over there to find him. So definitely check with the cast members if you want to meet with Indiana Jones um, as far as location and best time and place to be um, when you're there. Now, he doesn't go into the evening, and I feel like the later afternoon would probably be disqualified as well, too. So if seeing Indiana Jones is a priority as early as the park opening, a little bit after 8.30-ish, and then probably until like just after lunch, is when I would assume he probably's done for the day, like around three o'clock. So just keep that in mind. A lot of these special characters don't really go into the evening. So um, that's something to consider if this is high on your list to do. Um, but next, I wanted to talk about the food offerings over at Bengal Barbecue that debuted for this uh, new temporary period as well, too. So a little bit of a big change at Bengal Barbecue. As you know, it's not a super big location and not a very large menu either. So when they offered so many new items for this movie, it really, um, they had to make room for it. And by making room for it, they had to replace some of the items that were there before. Now there was two brand new skewers, a totally brand new plate offering and, um, an appetizer offering and a new dessert. So lots of new things. Uh, the first one being the adventures platter, which replaces the Bengal rice plate. Now, if you've been to Bengal barbecue before, you've probably had the Bengal rice plate. This is Jasmine rice, like a soybean salad, and then your choice of two different skewers. Um, this is basically the same offering, um, but the adventures platter is going to be your choice of two skewers again, just like before. Um, But instead of jasmine rice, you're getting yellow turmeric rice. And then instead of the soybean salad, you're getting couscous salad. So a little bit more of sort of like a mix of like Persian and Indian flavors, I guess you could say, as far as the accompanying uh, sides with the adventures platter. Um, It comes in at the same price, $18.49. And then as far as skewers, there was two brand new skewer options. So all the skewer options you know and love are still there and available, Um, but they added two new ones. So there was a lemon chicken skewer, which is going to be a chicken skewer in a uh, preserved lemon sauce, sort of like a lemony garlicky sauce. Um, A lot of people were really excited about this one because uh, some people aren't really like a big fan that the only option for the chicken one there is kind of like a pretty sweet option with uh, the chieftain chicken skewer being like covered in the Polynesian sauce. So this was a pretty... um, welcome offering as far as people heard about it. I actually didn't try this one, so I can't speak on it, but it looked pretty good. And that one comes in at $6.99. So similarly priced to the other options. Uh, And then the next option is going to be the lamb kefta skewer. Now, uh, this is going to be a lamb skewer with that kind of uh, dill tzatziki yogurt sauce drizzled on top of it. So another option for a skewer for you, this one comes in at $8.49. So a little bit higher up there, kind of like with the pork belly and the beef options. Um, But both are eligible to be one of the two skewers you can get with your adventures platter. So... Something to keep in mind if you wanted to try something totally new. And then another new offering for sort of an appetizer, or maybe even a meal, something to share, 
is going to be the vegetable platter. Now, this looked pretty intriguing, um, but I didn't want to get so much food this one time because I wanted to save it for next time. So the vegetable platter is also a plate offering. Um, it had a bunch of different fresh vegetables on it with like carrots and peppers and all kinds of things available for like dipping. And then it had three different dipping sauces. So it had a harissa hummus, um, shermula, and a yogurt dill sauce, essentially like a tzatziki sauce. Um, and there was also a piece of garlic naan bread on there. So they were grilling the garlic naan. Um, they had these fresh vegetables for you to dip in all these different sauces. So this one looked pretty good uh, from what I saw. Like I said, I didn't try this one. This one came in at $12.99. Um, and all these prices, by the way, are pre-discount. So if you do have any applicable discounts, uh, that would bring that price down a little bit more. And then the last new offering at this location, which I did try, was the um, Forbidden Turnover. And this is essentially like a turnover pastry that is shaped like the Eye of Mara, like a medallion. Um, it is also a little bit flecked with gold. So when you're holding the pastry, it is shimmery, just like gold. So um, quite a cool little um, embellishment they did on the pastry itself. The inside of the pastry is um, pineapple, mango, and passion fruit. Uh, so it was really good. 10 out of 10. Really liked this one. It's definitely something that you can share. It is pretty sweet on the sweeter side. Um, but it was super tasty. And uh, mixing this with the Adventurer's Platter, I felt like was a A1 combination. 10 out of 10. Definitely would recommend. So that was what I got. Um, as far as the Adventurer's Platter, I loved the, the couscous salad a lot. And then, of course, I got... Um, two of my favorite skewers, the safari skewer being the bacon-wrapped asparagus, and then the Bengal beef skewer, which is the sweeter, not the spicier um, Bengal skewer. So um, some great offerings coming to Bengal barbecue, which is already like the best fresh location at Disneyland. So this just kind of really hyped it up for me and I was ready to try it out. So all these new things available at Disneyland Resort that I was able to experience, I kind of wanted to talk about those. So Rogers the Musical over at Disney California Adventure Park running through August 31st. And then these specialty offerings being available now at Bengal Barbecue, but we're not sure for how long. So keep that in mind as well, too. Probably a similar thing running its course through the summer. Although, you know what? We have to keep in mind they've kept that pork belly skewer at Bengal Barbecue for years now at this point. It was a limited time offering during a Halloween time of 2019. Um, and it just stuck on the menu because it was so popular. So maybe the adventurous platter becomes like the mainstay, you know, maybe people like the turmeric rice and the couscous better than the other option. We'll have to wait and see. As far as the lamb kefta skewer, I feel like it's a little bit of a ask to get people to go a lamb when they're in the theme park. Um, but I feel like that chicken skewer could be really popular as it's um, like a sort of non-sweet option available for guests. So, And then the turnover, I mean, we haven't had any Indiana Jones themed food in 
it's right in front of the Indiana Jones ride. So I feel like that's an easy thing to kind of keep around. So I hope they do keep that one. As far as other theme park news over at Disneyland Resort, um, we have a little bit of closures that we haven't talked about yet. We've talked about a lot of closures on this podcast, but I wanted to mention this one as it's pertaining to a lot of planning up and coming here in the summer season. But of course, the Haunted Mansion is going to be closing on August 14th. Uh, For that little brief period between August 14th and September 1st, when Haunted Mansion holiday opens uh, for the Halloween and Christmas season. Although we got to keep in mind in past seasons, including the last one, um, they had that whole period set up, but they're such pros at transitioning this attraction over to Haunted Mansion holiday that they usually get it done pretty quick. Uh, And last time it opened early. So keep in mind it is going down on the 14th and is scheduled to open on the 1st, but potentially may surprise and delight and open earlier. But you can guarantee since the Halloween season begins this year on September 1st, you'll at least be able to experience the attraction starting on that date. Now some news over at the hotels of the Disneyland Resort actually had a chance to visit both Pixar Place Hotel, aka the Paradise Pier Hotel, and Disneyland Hotel over the weekend to check out some of the progress on the construction over there. Um, Some big changes actually happened to Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. So they had some more things reopen in the lobby as they continued the transformation into its newer version. Uh, So now all the guest elevators are available. So once again, all four main guest elevators are available for hotel guests staying at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. Now you might be saying, Why is this that important? Well, if we have any guests that are listening to this show that have upcoming stays planned there, it was pretty... Uh, a pretty poor experience for those hotel guests staying there. They only had one working guest elevator in the lobby and then were asked to use backstage elevators that are normally reserved for like the housekeeping and room service staff um, to, to go up and down to all the different floors. So it was really difficult and sometimes causing really long lines um, to go up and down to the different floors uh, to get to the guest rooms. And especially at more busier times, like right when park was opening or maybe right when park was closing, you could have waited a really long time to get to your room and going up the stairs is not an option. Only going downstairs is an option. So keep in mind too, Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel is a really tall hotel tower. So going up the stairs isn't always an option for anyone anyway, even if it was available for you to do. Um, but good news there, four guest elevators off of the lobby now available for you uh, if you are staying there. So it's making your experience a little bit better. Still no dining available at this hotel yet as it continues its construction on its new restaurants um, there. Those are still under construction as we speak. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to this. I also had a chance to see the new pool area at the hotel. It's not quite done yet, but it's almost there. So we're looking like probably around the same time opening, I would guess, that the Disneyland Hotel is scheduled to open. They're going to be opening their new Discovery Tower villas on September 28th. I would imagine they're probably going to open Disney's Pixar Place Hotel or debut it anyway around the same time. Now, I don't necessarily know that the new Great Maple Restaurant will be done at that time, but I feel like they can probably get most of the hotel up and running uh, for the most part with like the pool, the pool deck, splash area, all that kind of stuff because it looked really basically ready to go. So good news if you do have a stay up and coming at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. And as far as Disneyland Hotel, same thing. It was looking like 
basically it's ready to go at this point. Uh, when I visited over the weekend, the new Discovery Tower was completely void of any exterior scaffolding, and it was just the walls surrounding the tower and working on some of the lower parts of the building and, of course, the interiors. So uh, I think that's really all that remains at this point is they finishing up those touches before the September 28th opening, which is literally just around the corner. So um, they're coming up on the wire on both of these here. I'm guessing that we probably see some sort of combined media event with both hotels sort of debuting new things, whether that's, um, you know, a look at some of the model rooms or some of the completed rooms already at Disney's Pixar Place Hotel. Of course, showing us all the new villas and rooms at the Disneyland Hotel's new Discovery Tower, and then maybe even coinciding it with the opening or completion of San Francisco Square. Now, even though that will have essentially finished up through the month of August, um, Disney isn't a stranger to doing a media event after the land or new experience as artists or Arias sort of debuted. You know, uh, they've done this before. Um, because they love to have media out and combine multiple new things. You know, the media, some of the traditional media's uh, outlets don't all cover every single thing that happens at the parks, right? They only come occasionally or speak about big things that happen. So uh, they might like to lump those things together, and it would make sense to do that. So um, I'm thinking that's kind of what we'll see. So maybe something this fall. Um, where you'll probably see on a lot of your social media feeds and maybe even your major media outlet channels um, some information on both the new hotels and San Francisco Square kind of all around the same time. So we'll keep monitoring this because all those projects are wrapping up quickly and it's going to be really cool when they're all available um, to see finally. But that wraps up all the latest and greatest news and what's happening at the Disneyland Resort this particular week. Uh, we're going to continue monitoring next weekend as well, too, seeing all things that are new, not only here, but also next week at Knott's Berry Farm as well, too, as we start getting a little bit closer to the Halloween season checking out some of the construction that's happening for Not Scary Farm. So I want to do that too and talk about that here um, as we might see tickets go on sale soon for that experience. Uh, and of course, we might even get some news potentially on Halloween Horror Nights. That's coming up as well too. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast, whatever you do on all the platforms that you're listening on, um, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or I think now it's on YouTube Music Podcasts because I think they absorbed Google Podcasts into that platform. Um, but whatever it is you're listening on, make sure you're following there or subscribe to there. And if you feel so inclined to do so, please leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you can, because that one helps the most, or also on um, Spotify if you're doing it there too. So, but thank you again for listening. And if you want to go to my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, I have a lot of visual representations of what we talked about today, so you can physically see it and watch it. Um, to see what I was talking about on some of these things, especially the food items, because that probably helps to get a little bit of visual there. Anyways, we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks again.